Hello, this is Steve from Retro Man Blog, and welcome to this special edition of Retrosonic Podcasts. And I'd like to welcome Tom Powell, the man behind Defo and the brilliant new album, Eternity. Hello, Tom. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Steve. Thanks for having me, mate. Well, it's good to see you. And I mean, this might sound a bit pretentious, but the last time I saw you, we were in Tokyo, weren't we? I know. It was was great, wasn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, so... um, (laughs) Just a bit, I mean, obviously we'll touch on this a little bit later, but, um, you know, with your other guys as bassist with Michael Head and the Red Elastic Band, and you were over there in Tokyo with Mick Head playing a, a couple of shows, which w- w- was fantastic. I was just uh, chuffed to be there, but um, I w- we'll, we'll touch on that later. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but the main reason to get you here was um, because you've just released this great new album with your own project, Defo called Eternity, which is available to pre-order, well, available to order now, but it's actually, the release date is the 15th of December. So I thought uh, it's a fantastic record. It's uh, it's right up my street. And, um, you know, I thought I'd get you in to, to talk about it. So, you know, when, when did you decide that the time was right for you to sort of uh, get your own project together? I've always kind of, um, and thanks for all the kind words as well, Steve. I've always kind of written um, songs since a really young age in the background. Um I've never really gone and put stuff out, even though I've wanted over time. It's just kind of, it's never happened for one reason or another, usually because I've been playing and bassing a band or, you know what life's like, things always get in the way. But I'd always kind of wanted to put something out. I just never never got around to do it or always had other things going on at the time. And a few years ago, I started to write a kind of collection of songs and I thought, these are, these are half decent and I, I kind of... I showed them to a few people close to me who I really respect the opinions of. My dad's a good example. I showed them to my dad. And um, usually if, if there's something he, he doesn't think is right, he'll, he'll tell me straight, oh, it's not good enough. And I got quite a bit of praise from him for this kind of selection of songs. And I was like, all right, it could be on to something here. <laughs> <laughs> Parental approval, yeah? Uh, yeah, exactly. Which yeah. went which went kind of a long way because he's he's pretty straight to the point, and that's what I that's kind of what you need sometimes. And sometimes when you kind of write music or writing words and stuff like that, you can get a bit tunnel vision with things. And it was it's mm. kind of nice to kind of get feedback and a perspective of other people to say like that, that's good or that's interesting or maybe shelve that one. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because you know sometimes when a, if a musician does a side project or does their own own solo work, you know you can sometimes sense that it's like a, a collection of songs they might have had kicking around for years. You know, but with this album, it's yeah. really concise and it just sounds like it's almost like you've written the whole thing in one go you know just as the defo album you know it's it just sort of comes across like that you know it's uh i'm not going to say it's like a concept album but it's got it's got a lovely theme running through it you know and um so it's, so it's that case is you sort of wrote oh you've got this in mind i'm going to get these songs together and put them out yeah i mean it's it was initially going to be a 21 track double album <laughs> oh, right. that was that was the initial idea i was i was on a bit of a spree in terms of like writing and recording um and it, it, i decided not to because it was quite a lot to take in for a listener as a kind of a first release out there i think the 10 songs is enough so i have actually got a, a second album ready to go i decided to split them and I'm, I'm really glad i did i think it would have been a bit overwhelming for a listener uh of a brand new kind of artist to, yeah, <laughs> to give yeah. them a 21 song concept album it was going to be um so there is loose kind of concept, especially in the artwork. Um, and the songs have got a little bit of concept, but I wouldn't say it's completely conceptual. So the artwork, the idea is um, if it was to be kind of like a fold-out record, you'd see it more so. But there's a figure of eight, like the eternity symbol. Yeah. 
that's kind of like written within the wall and the outside of the wall is kind of a dystopian kind of wall mm. and a dystopian world and the inside is a glimpse into eternity which mm. is the kind of utopia in the concept um so the idea of of the record and the, as i say semi-conceptual is about utopia and positivity and kind of freedom and things like that yeah. so there's a bit of a kind of running theme with that you'll probably hear in some of the lyrics that's the idea behind it yeah it's a really positive sounding album isn't it you know i mean it's just really yeah and, and i think it's interesting what you said because when people think about concept or i know i've heard a lot you know like people have mentioned in the reviews we've had like psychedelic and that and but it's a really concise album like i said 10 tracks i mean not many of the songs are over three and a half four minutes long you know? so there isn't like yeah. a, i mean because people have this thing about a concept album it's got to be like rick wakeman or yeah or sort of prog rock stuff isn't it you know but it, it, it's <laughs> I think it's interesting. It is interesting that you you said that you're gonna you've got another one in the bag already. You know that's uh, yeah. Now the the second one is definitely more of a concept album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, but but we'll come to that another time. Okay, so you're making it easy, <laughs> paving the way for it for us. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the album but artwork. I, wanna... I was I was going to say about the artwork because it's sort of like got a was like a street art graffiti style to it, hasn't it? And um, who who did the artwork for it and. Um, it's it's a girl from um, from Ukraine called Daria who I who had originally used um, for some artwork for some kind kind of family portraits, caricature kind of stuff, um, and I've used her a couple of times for gifts to friends for kind of moving in uh, to a new house and someone for a wedding gift. Um, so I kind of she was on my radar. I knew about her, got on well with her, and, and she was a really really good artist. Mm. So I reached out to her originally to do the concept for what would be the the second album. Um, and then, yeah, she ended up doing this one as well. And she's done a load of kind of artwork for the promo and things like that along the line as well. But yeah, no, she's brilliant. Um, I basically just described what kind of thing I wanted. A little bit of back and forth until she absolutely nailed it. But all in all, I was kind of, I was really happy with it. The graffiti kind of aspect, I suppose it comes, I'm really into kind of old hip hop and trip hop and, and things like that. So I wanted to incorporate a little bit of that into the visuals, even though it's kind of, I wouldn't describe the music as hip hop. There's a little bit of trip hop influence in the kind of the drum beats and stuff like that at times. Yeah. Um, but I still want to bring a little bit of that kind of that kind of influence in there. And the visuals seemed a good way to do it. Yeah, uh, it definitely sort of matches the, the whole album. You know, I mean, like I said, that's and it's on lovely definitely. yellow vinyl, and you've got so it's a release on CD and also on uh, on, on very bright yellow vinyl. It's it's pretty yeah. spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> it's eye catching in it. It certainly is, you know, but. Um, yeah, it's great. So, I mean, we'll we'll obviously put links to the feature to this um, on where people can order the album. And um, I said you're shipping them out now by hand, all lovingly handwritten. Yeah. And um, yeah, exactly. And cottage industry you got going on there, getting all. Yeah, it's it's very much a kind of a DIY DIY project. I've had really good people around to help with with things as well. Like I've called on a lot of favors from friends uh, from over the years who've who've all been brilliant and pulled in a lot of favors with them. But then in terms of like the release of kind of, there's no record label. Um, it's just kind of me posting things out and taking orders and kind of managing all that side of things myself. Um, in terms of press, I've, I've had a friend helping writing press releases. Um, Paul Fitzgerald, he's been great writing that side of things. And then in terms of kind of press distribution and kind of reach out, I've kind of tried to 
do all that kind of stuff myself, make it DIY effort as well. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of love and care and time and effort gone into the project. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's good, you know. I notice you've sort of handwritten notes to everybody, you know, yeah. they sort of the album and there's sort of little extras in inside and that, and it makes it really special, you know. I think it's a it's a good idea, you know, because I mean I'm an old git now, you know. I mean I, I love vinyl, I love I love that physical aspect of it, you know, but everything's available online and streaming, but you don't get that sort of same feeling as you do when you I said, open up the, for example, perfect thing, you know, get your defo package and you've got all the extras, you've got handwritten note, you've got the yellow vinyl, you've got the big, all the artwork on a 12 inch vinyl. I mean, you can't beat that experience, you know? No, exactly. I, I wanted to kind of do that kind of thing because I, I really appreciate anyone who's shown me support with it as well. Um, so I wanted to, the handwritten note, for example, I wanted to make sure there is a bit of personality and stuff in there. It's, it's kind of, it's really important for me, that side of things. And as you say, it's a eye catching package. I mean, I remember when I got delivered all the records myself and I opened it up and I'd seen it obviously printed on CD. I'd seen it on screen digitally, but when I opened it, I was like, God. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it, do, it does look great, you know, and um, it's, it's interesting that you've done it all yourself and that's good. It's good to see that because I, I noticed, oh, there's no record label on there or anything, but. Uh, no. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's I good. Well, the records, Defo, I suppose. The records, the artist name, there's no kind of. I thought it'd be because because a lot of people are doing this kind of DIY kind of setup, and it's quite common these days as well. A lot of people choose to do it, um, and it's more easy than ever because you can mm. reach people through the internet, and you can have freelancers and different people doing different things. Yeah, but um, a lot of people will create a label for it, mm. and I just thought I just want to have the one store, the one website, the one easy central place to kind of manage everything from. I could go and set up a record label just for myself and have a separate name and I thought you know what I'm just gonna have it on the same place yeah. um there's enough kind of things to worry about and to do as part of it rather than creating self two different sets of personas that's a good <laughs> idea you know I think it's fantastic that if, if musicians and bands can take control and, and get it released on their own terms you know and uh no definitely no, definitely right, well, I, the, the to say for that I suppose it's it's kind of opened things up as much as it's more competitive than ever because everyone's got a, a kind of the ability to upload and, and get it out there it's also more brilliant than ever because you've got so many different strategies so many different ways so many different avenues to, to either help produce media or to actually get media out there yeah no it's true
And you're credited on the album as as, as vocals, um, bass, guitar, banjo, percussion, <laughs> yes. synth, and even xylophone. You know, <laughs> so it's yeah, um, it? but it's but it's far from like just a solo project, isn't it? You, you've got a lot of people involved in it. You know, and um, probably no one more so than your dad, who we touched on earlier, who um, is the sort of producer engineer Steve Powell. Who I've also seen play in the Red Elastic Band. Um, I think he was with them for a, a brief time, wasn't he, playing guitar? Yeah. Um, so how, how big an influence was it to, to be brought up in that sort of environment, you know, of, um, I, I guess, you know, I mean, because Steve runs runs the Arc Studios in Liverpool. That's the one. And he's produced yeah. and engineered, like, a lot of sort of, like, Cast and Echo and the Bunny Men and Stairs and obviously Michael Head in the Red Elastic Band, the Strand, loads of, like, classic Liverpool acts. So it was, what was it like growing up in that sort of environment? You know, there was always music playing on the house. So whatever he was kind of working on at home, he'd obviously when you're kind of like mixing or or things like that or recording a lot of time, things that end up kind of being played on the speakers. Obviously, you you want to listen as much as you can when you're working on a project. Um, I understand that now more than ever. I do that now if I'm taking stuff out the studio. Um, so we'd always hear bits and pieces of what was going on um, when he brought stuff home to the, the house, and then years later there was. Um, so the strand, for example, got played a lot around the house. No, at the time, as a child, I didn't know kind of what it was. I remember years later, I kind of someone got me onto into Shaq, and I sort of started listening to Shaq. I'd actually listened to Awfully in Love, and then got into Shaq after that. Usually, it's the other way around when you're from Liverpool. But for <laughs> me, I kind of my dad took me to see Awfully, and then a year or so later, that and that friend said, "Oh, get onto this Shaq." Okay, I sound so when said to me, Dad, have you heard this band Shaq? And he was like, You're joking, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> he went, you, You'll have heard half the stuff growing up. And I went, yeah. No way. So he went, Listen to this. And he gave me his, his CD at the strands to put on. And I went, I remember listening to this one as about six or seven. It was always in the house, you know what I mean? It was always it was always on. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so there's always stuff on. I mean, there's another thing I remember, I can't remember exactly how old it was, but it must have been about three or four. Um, I remember he was working on the Stairs album at the time, and um, I got given like a, an old kind of white label cassette of the Stairs um, on VHS, you know, like the video the, with the Go Disc label and all that kind of stuff on. I used to love playing that and watching it on the VHS player, but I thought it was the Wee Bus. I thought it was hilarious. It was it turned out it was the Wee Bus. <laughs> I was dancing around the room to the yeah. Wee Bus. So yeah, because a long story short, music. Has always been around and it's had a big, big influence. I mean, there's uh, them two albums alone, like the Strands and the Stairs one, for example, that he's worked on. This influence of both of them on the record, um, yeah. in the, the Healing Fields, for example, which Mick features on as well, um, on the record, that's very, very much influenced by that Strand sound. Yeah. Um, and then, the, and then there's a there's a song called "It's a Wonderful Life," which is influenced by i'd say there's a bit of a stairs kind of thing and also a bit of a shack kind of thing in there so it's it, the influences run through kind of from a very young age and it's kind of it's stuck with me and yeah. i still love listening to that kind of stuff now it's interesting isn't it? how, how love seemed to have an arthur lee they seem to have such an impact on, on the liverpool music scene out of all the bands you know you think love yeah. is the one the band that seems to have grabbed everyone's attention in liverpool you know and beef art as well beef art's another one as well captain beef art and love are the two kind of they yeah. always a lot of people go back to, especially musicians from the city or people who really love the music. 
yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I, I listening to the album. I mean, apart from like I said on a couple of tracks, like you mentioned, um, it, it's not a particularly Liverpool centric album. It, it it doesn't, you know, like a lot of bands, like you said, it, you know, no matter what style of music they play, if they're from Liverpool, you can tend to sense they're from Liverpool. <laughs> you know, yeah, There's something about it, isn't it, with the city and the sound and that, you know. But with this album, it it it, it doesn't sound particularly like. Liverpool it's got a more an international feel to it you know I mean I played uh, I, we included a track in the latest episode of Retrosonic Podcast episode 53 which is out now and, uh, and it, it was there amongst um, quite a lot of international psychedelia like uh, Crayola Eyes from Indonesia you had like Melody Fields from Sweden you know you had Pete International Airport which is the Dandy Warhols guitarist's mm-hmm. new project with Anton Newcomb remix and Rachel Goswell of Slow Dive and all, it was all this sort of international and he just fitted in so perfectly with that and I think the album sounds really sort of international you know it doesn't sound like Definitely. such a Liverpool album No there's there's a lot of influence with that kind of the, I call it like modern day neo psych Brian Jones Sam Masker that kind of thing Tame Impala Melody's Echo Chamber No Mortal Orchestra I'm big fans of all that kind of stuff so there's, there's definitely in that that in there with tracks like Eternity that's the title track or, yeah. or as you say Play It Cool but then it's an influence of, of people like Beck, for example, uh, on a few tracks. Um, there's definitely that kind of Bristol kind of trip hop influence f- throughout uh, the album as well. A little bit. It's it's more so on the second album, the concept album, which you kind of uh, you'll hear in the hopefully near future, oh. <laughs> or maybe maybe not too far off future, but still like yeah, yeah some point next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward this, to that. You know, I'm, I'm big into that that kind of Bristolian kind of ninety trip hop. Kind of sound yeah. as well, Masquerade, Trippy, um, Portishead, you know, them kind of things. Yeah, it's definitely that sort of feel to it. And I think, it, and it also gives it, you know, a really sort of like modern sheen as well, you know. And I mean, the the, the sound of it is, is, is fantastic. I mean, the production and the, um, I mean, I'm going to touch on a little bit of the people that you work with behind the scenes because, you know, you've had obviously your dad helping with the production. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, you know, I mean, with the, with the sort of the mastering, the, the uh, was done by was it Howie Weinberg who was um, yeah who's Howie Weinberg. You look, you look at his CV and he's got like Nirvana, you know, Public Enemy, mm-hmm. you know, Iggy Pop, you know. I mean, God, I was looking at some of it, you know, replacements. I mean, God, it's like my record collection here. Yeah, Husker Do definitely fantastic. You know, how did he get to to work with him? Um, so I, I was looking for a master and engineer, and I had, had a few in mind, but I wanted to use someone who who I really liked and I, I liked the work of. Um, and I looked, I kind of looked up at a lot of my kind of favorite records and stuff, and a good few of them came back to Howie Weinberg. And I was like, wow. So I did quite a bit of research. I watched a lot of YouTube videos where he'd done interviews. I didn't just kind of jump into it and went, that's going to happen. I'm quite, um, I'm quite extensive with kind of looking into things because it's a kind of big deal to, to, to do. And it's obviously costs a few quid as well. So you want to be kind of sure. And after looking into his work and seeing who he'd worked with and the kind of pedigree he was of master engineer, I was like, well, if I can, if I can get him on board for it, I'd be happy. And he, uh, yeah, he agreed to do the two records. We kind of done the, the two records at once with this. So they're both kind of mastered and ready to go. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the records he's mastered. It's incredible. He started off doing a lot of like the very, very early kind of hip-hop stuff in the early 80s that's how he got going yeah. um he's kind of like he's worked alongside kind of one of the, the all-time greats as well uh bob ludwig as well with kind of master and engineering stuff he does all kind of back stuff as well so yeah it was uh it was it was it was great to get him it was great to get him on board for it and he was i had a, a couple of chats with him and he's a lovely fellow as well 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I said it gives it, especially on, on vinyl, it comes over, it sounds so great on, on vinyl, you know. Definitely. And um, definitely I'd recommend people get a, getting a copy of, of, the, of the vinyl album because it, it, it just does sound really well well produced and uh, as a well mastered everything, you know. And it, it was also, I think it was mixed by Roy Merchant, who's worked with, you know, Basement Jacks, as you said, and a lot, a lot of that side of things as well. So you've got that. As you mentioned, Definitely. you've got that sort of influence coming in, you know, from... And it's very... Yeah, be- yeah Beck is, is a good reference point because I kept coming back, oh, God, that sounds a bit like a bit like Beck. You know, it's got that slightly sort of psychedelic but trip-hop feel, bit, of, you know, and it's 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 got that really fresh sound, you know, it's, it's great. Definitely. Again, that was another conscious thing, getting getting Roy involved. Um, he's, he's worked on some great records, especially kind of like the UK ones that are kind of, he's worked with like MIA and on paper planes for vocal production, stuff like that. Um, and there's, there's been some absolute bounces he's worked on. Omar from the IMR stuff he's worked on is, is really, really good. And there's a few few different mix engineers I was looking at, but it's kind of stuff with the kind of more contemporary and that kind of almost kind of hip hop kind of groove sound kind of thing he's worked on, I thought. That's the man for it. Great. from mixing to mastering artwork the, the kind of the graphics to help with the, the press writing all that kind of side of thing the musicians everyone's absolutely played a blinder across yeah. the board I think that's what I was talking about it was well when I said it's more like a sort of concept not not necessarily I said in an overblown thing but it just the whole package just seems to have been really well thought out and uh, everyone compliments each other you know it's uh, definitely and also I mean talking about we've spoken a little bit about the about you doing everything, including the xylophone, but um, you've got a lot of people helping out on the record. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, you've even got Mick Head to play bongos on 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 the album. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's got great rhythm, Mick. Like yeah. incredible rhythm. I mean, you can see him when he's playing guitar on stage. Like I've never, for rhythm guitarists, I've never seen rhythm as as unique and as like hypnotic as he's got. It's fantastic, even yeah. just to watch. But then when you listen to it. So, uh, I mean, the idea was to to get him to come in and make his great. He, he agreed to come in and do a couple of songs on vocals, which I was 
was absolutely overjoyed with because he's my favourite songwriter. You know, he's yeah. absolutely loved me to bits. Um, so it was brilliant that he agreed to come and start. And then one one song as well needed cushion on. He picked up the bongos and just nailed it. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely great. That's a, that's a good point about his guitar playing actually, because he's a very underrated. I know, obviously, his brother John gets all the credit for the guitar work on on Shack, but he, he's a fantastic. Um, guitar player you know i mean because obviously he's great. he tends to just use acoustic guitar all the time doesn't he but uh, mm-hmm. he's got a real natural rhythm as a, as a as a player you know it's 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 great you know definitely and unique as well like i've not seen anyone play in his style mm. and that's kind of what i love about it. it it sets the tone for a lot of his songs the way he kind of his finger picking kind of thing with the three four mm. kind of uh, thing it, it just it just works so nice as i say it's so hypnotic yeah. especially to lock into as a bass player you know, it's kind yeah. of like, I, I, re- I just know how to kind of root into that and I kind of love playing to that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, so it's a good point, that. And then also you've yeah. got your colleague in the Red Elastic Band, Phil Murphy, on the drums as well. Yeah, right? Phil played the blind as well on the record. No, he's, he's absolutely fantastic. Phil played on a, a lot of the more kind of the folky or kind of um, poppy kind of ones at times. And he, he played an absolute blind on things like... Um, like dreamers which has got a similar kind of rhythm to something that Shaq might do for example so phil it came a second nature to him he absolutely nails them kind of styles yeah, yeah. i mean the red elastic band is a, mick always gets a, sort of really super talented musicians around him doesn't he? he has that knack of getting to work with these great people and and of course phil was in peach fuzz with danny and nat who are in the red elastic band um, yeah and then phil and nat are also playing with rian downey now and um Danny's gone on to play with Jamie Webster, and <laughs> so he's, I guess you know, did that or have a have a, a bearing on you doing defo? It's like, oh blimey, if, they, if these can all do it, I'm going to get out there and do it as well. Not really, no. I've always wanted to do it, as I say, but I, I love seeing all my friends kind of doing music. It's it's nothing better to see, kind of. And I've spoke about it with a couple of lads before as well, and it's kind of like we all just love seeing each other doing well and doing music and getting out and about. And there's a lot. There's a lot of it at the moment in the city, especially, and there's a lot of people doing well and getting out and doing sold out tours and and getting albums in top tens and stuff like that. And it's just it's a joy to see. Mm. It's a joy to kind of be close to observe as well at the same time. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, and and then you got Chris Geddes from Bell and Sebastian as well. On um, makes yeah, I mean that was another huge win because I'm a a massive fan of Bell and Sebastian, um, and I've met Chris a few times through. my my best friend he lives in Glasgow and his um his missus is good friends with Chris so we we've, we've met before at like little side fest and places like that over the years and I kind of asked oh do you fancy doing a, a bit on a, a few tracks and he was thankfully up for it again he played a he played a blinder on it as well some lovely parts that he's put down but yeah they're, a, they're a, another huge influence on me there's a song actually that he plays on that's very much a Bell and Sebastian kind of mm-hmm. uh, inspired one called Autumn Leaves. But yeah, no, I'm a massive fan of theirs. They've released so many good albums over the years.
And talking of good albums, you know, you've been there with, with Mick and the Red Elastic Band's Dear Scott, which is sort of, it's just, I mean, you know, I think Mick always is one of these musicians that everyone thinks is like, not like an underdog in a way, but he's always like, he's always overlooked and that. But Dear Scott has just taken him up to another level, isn't it? You know, and it, it must be great to Definitely. be part of it, you know, to, to, to be there with, with the recording of that great record and, and the gigs around it, you know. Definitely. You know, it's a, it's a dream come true and it's, it's nice to see um, Mick getting that kind of, that credit, as you say, kind of a, a top 10 album last year with Dear Scott. It's just lovely to see. Yeah. Uh, long overdue because he's one of the best songwriters, well, my favourite songwriter, but he's one of the best ever, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's lovely to see that kind of acknowledgement. Yeah. But yeah, it's absolutely yeah. boss. And he just got married a couple of days ago, wasn't it? So um, yeah. congratulations <laughs> to Mick. <laughs> no, congratulations. Yeah. They're, uh, they make an absolutely lovely couple, so it's we're all absolutely... <laughs> wasn't to seem so oh, happy yeah. fantastic yeah. yeah so you played i mean with you, you played places like the shepherd's bush empire and and uh, and then also you played churches like st pancras church with mick i mean mick, he always keeps the, the gigs different and varied for everybody you know so has there only been any any standout shows that you've played over the years yeah there has um the tokyo one the tokyo one um and the saka one so two tokyo ones the saka i mean that just they kind of blew me mind to be honest it's only because since the kind of like since being about eighteen, I'd remember talking to a few lads in um in local bands who'd been lucky enough to go over and play some shows in Japan. And uh it was two separate lads from two separate bands who had told me about it. And uh when they told me about it, I was like, that's kind of my dream. That's my musical dream. So I had two musical dreams. One was to do that and one was to play glass to me. And I thought if that ever dream ever happens that'll be kind of like <laughs> life set you know yeah it's a, it's a book at least only consists of them two items musically really yeah. <laughs> and uh i got the call about it um last year and i was nearly falling over on the back of the call that we were going over i was like this can't be real yeah. this is the one place that's on my bucket list is the one place we're kind of going to play yeah um okay. so yeah when we were over there it just felt like a bit of a dream to be honest all the people were lovely that we met yeah. Um, it was great to kind of be on stage with all your your friends, and yeah. it was just the whole experience was insane. It was brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And I mean, every show that we do is boss. It's never a show that we don't enjoy. We love every single one. Um, and the crowds for for Mick and all the fans are incredible. You get to meet so many great people along the way at every every single show. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a joy to be a part of. Really, yeah. it's a real joy. Yeah. Well, I was really chuffed. Um, to, I was really chuffed to be there in in uh, Tokyo to to see one of the shows, you know, and um, I, it was to see the fans around, you know, the Japanese fans, you know. It was, I mean, like I said my wife and my one of my best friends saw the Pearl Fountains forty years ago in Tokyo, so they even like took along their tickets, original tickets, to get Mick to sign, and it was like this sort of, uh, you know, is this sort of adoration for him over there it was yeah really it was a really special time and it was one of those special gigs that you know you could see that you were all like as enjoying it as much as we were all enjoying it and it was just a fantastic atmosphere you know and even ali got on stage you know mick's daughter got on stage and sang broken beauty with mick and um and nat guitarist nat lawrence played a a little acoustic show his first acoustic sort of solo set beforehand because I think he said he was yeah. far away from anybody he knew so he, he felt comfortable to do it so many lovely moments yeah so many lovely moments like that we since then we when, when we kind of got home we were all chatting about things we were all like how special was that you know how, how amazing and special now once in a lifetime was that we were all kind of pinching ourselves and 
We absolutely loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved the whole trip. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Because Joanne got yeah. on stage and and sang Daniela with with Mick in Tokyo, and uh, yeah, there was his super fans like Hero and Rie and all those there, and uh, it was it was great. You know, it was a, it was special, wasn't it? It was real special. Really special. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. So are you going to um, talking about Nat playing a gig? Are you planning on any live shows with Defo in the future? Not right now. So so kind of um, what the plan is is a free album plan. Free album now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you probably guessed, I always do things a little bit different. <laughs> so I know you meant to go out and promote the album that you just released. I've got a bit of a different plan, so. Um, I'm going for like a, the late Beatles approach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the idea is so an album a year for three years and then see where kind of things stand. So an album in 2023, which would be 15th December 2023, an album some point, which would be a concept album in 2024, and then a third album in 2025, and then kind of assess where things are then and and see. See if time permits. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to play it live, but um, life's pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got you've got a lot. You've got a, a great selection of musical friends to choose from to, <laughs> to oh, accompany you. Definitely. No, and to take a good pick. There's just some fast, fantastic musicians, yeah. kind of around me that I'm playing band with and, and friends as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. As long as you get Mick on the bongos as well, that would be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to. I'd love to get him on, on vocals if I ever did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look forward to that. Well, it looks, seems like we have to wait a long while to see you play live, but I'm, you might, I'm sure you might change your mind. You know. Um, yeah, let's um, see how things go. Like, but uh, yeah. <laughs> as now, I, because I, I, I've got the kind of tunnel vision of this, the three albums, kind of, and the release of that. Yeah. I'd love to kind of get them out, and then when you've got three albums, it's a good set list you can pick out of that. <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah, yeah, yeah. a few few decent songs especially for like a live set between the, the three albums because the third album's kind of demoed to a, a decent standard already yeah um so yeah we'll, we'll see that needs yeah. to be recorded properly still <laughs> well i look forward to that we'll definitely do a feature and, and on that as well so let us know when it comes out That'd be great perfect and, we'll um, Steve. Thank you. yeah well, well thanks very much tom that's tom powell of defo and um, the red elastic band and uh so you can get his uh, new album, Eternity. I'll put links up on retromanblog.com where you can order it and expect it to be all lovely, lovely packaged, lovingly posted by Tom himself. <laughs> and uh, it's a great record. And uh, so listen to episode 53 of Retrosonic Podcast, um, which is up on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, all free. Um, give it a listen it's a, it's a great track and it uh, I said it's it will make you rush out and buy the album straight away so um, thanks very much Tom it's great to see you again and uh, all the best with, with the record and Defo that's great thanks Steve thanks for having me really appreciate it mate and uh, thanks for all the support as well mate you're welcome all the best cheers mate thank you take care um,